Tonight we're going to uh, look at two passages in Ephesians, and we want to find two things that Christians should want to do, and then we're going to look at what it is that motivates that want. Does that make sense? We're going to look for two things that Christians should want to do, and then we want to see what it is that motivates those two wants in the Christian's life. Now, let's read uh, both of them. We're going to read both passages, and then we'll go back to the first one and, uh, and, and get our points. Look at, with me at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every, heavenly, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who, are, who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Okay, now look at chapter 2 and read, let's read verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. <clears throat> so you notice that there are two in those, the beginning part, the most, uh, the, almost the whole part of each of those passages there are some things in common between the two. And I know that's a lot to read, but the things in common are it talks about 
uh, Paul talks to us about being in Christ, about what God has done for us through Christ, about forgiveness of sins, about uh, uh, being made new in Christ. And so that salvation in Christ and God's grace and the riches of his love, Paul is saying really the same thing in both places. Do you see that in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2? Now, turn back to Ephesians 1, and let's look at the first want that a Christian should have. And we're going to look at uh, each of those. He says it, he talks about it three times here in our passage in Ephesians 1. So let's look at verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, and then you see it, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. See, there it is in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. So what's Paul talking about when he says, to the praise of his glorious grace? What he's telling us is that God is worthy of our praise because of what he's done for us in Christ. God is worthy of our praise because of the grace that he's given us in Christ. And his grace that he talks about here, he, he emphasizes grace <coughs> in this passage. And that grace of God includes his character as well as his work. His grace towards us in Christ, it, it should call us to worship and praise God. It should, it should elicit praise and worship from his people because of the grace he extended us. Does that make sense? So that's what we're saying, a want to because of. We're saying a want to praise God because of his grace towards us. So look at verses 12 through 13. So that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, in whom you also, when you heard the word of truth. And we'll pause right there in that mid-sentence. This is the second time Paul refers to praising God. The first time, though, as we said, he talks about to the praise of his glorious grace. But this time he says to the praise of his glory. Paul is now at first referring to the Jews who first received the gospel. That's what he's talking about when he says we who were first to hope in Christ. You see that Paul was a Jew that we might be to the praise of his glory. Paul's referring to the, the Jews because they were those foundational, <coughs> those foundational, found, sorry, foundational members in uh, this new covenant uh, under the new covenant of Christ. Okay, when God was doing this new thing, this new creation, the Jews were the first to come to Christ. And then the gospel went uh, to the Gentiles. So Paul uh, is going to later refer to them, but he's talking about to the Jews first, those of us who were first to hope in Christ to the praise of his glory. Now, uh, God is praised and glorified every time someone comes to the gospel. Every time someone obeys the gospel and comes to Christ, God is, is, is glorified. It, it brings praise to God. And so every time somebody lives out their faith, it brings praise to God. It glorifies God. And that's what he wants for his people. So when Paul said 
that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, we, we kind of hear something in there that, that was maybe an expectation on them, an assumption on them who were first to receive uh, the gospel. We see that uh, there's something evangelistic here about, uh, about this message because the Jews, it didn't, the gospel didn't stay with the Jews, did it? Look at verses 13 through 14. In him you also. So he's not referring to the, Jew, uh, the Jews. He's referring to the Gentile hearers, the Gentile Christians here. In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, so there was an expectation, an assumption, that those who were first to hope in Christ, the Jews, would would do what? They would teach others. And so how did the Gentiles become Christians? It's because the Jews, the Jewish Christians, began expanding, teaching the gospel beyond the Jewish people and taught the Gentiles Christians. And the gospel began to spread as we see in the book of Acts. Okay? So uh, they, they hoped first in him to the praise of God's glory. And then we see in 13 and 14 something else. Then those Gentile Christians, they were, uh, when they heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we, we acquire possession of it. And then what? To the praise of his glory. So we've seen this three times now. This final reference Paul uses to the praise of his glory to describe the guarantee of our inheritance of heaven, and, uh, which is the Holy Spirit that's given to us at baptism. And for that, we should praise God, glorify God because of what he's done. Because he has sealed, uh, sealed us with a seal, that good deposit, that inheritance of the Holy Spirit in us, which is that, uh, 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 that, that inheritance, that guarantee of our inheritance in heaven. And we should praise God and glorify God uh, because of that. So do you remember the three times Paul tells us about praising God? We praise God for choosing us and adopting us as, as, his, as his children in Christ, verse 6. We praise God for the gospel being taught to us uh, and that the gospel is for all people. The gospel wasn't just for the Jewish people. It wasn't just for the Gentile people. The gospel is for all people, regardless of whatever your background is, your, how much money or education or what your name is or where you're from in town or what town or what country or what color. It doesn't matter. The gospel is for all people. And so uh, for that, we praise God. And then, and then the third one, in verse 14, we praise God for the Holy Spirit in us, which is our seal and our guarantee of our home in heaven. So what about this phrase, a want to, because of? And how does this fit? What does, what does uh, that mean? We can put this in this way on the next slide. I want to praise God because of the gospel. Do you see that in those passages? I want to praise God because of the gospel. Now, the gospel, alive and at work in our lives, drives us to praise God and worship uh, in every area of our lives.
So this isn't just or only coming to, to uh, Sunday morning worship and, and singing, although that absolutely is a part of it. Every time we have an opportunity to sing and, uh, collectively as a body of Christ, we should sing out and worship God. Not because we have to, not because somebody might say something or somebody's looking, but because of the gospel, because of what God has done, it ought to drive us to praise God. But it also ought to drive us and motivate us to praise God, to worship God in every area of our lives. Because we've got to worship God in, 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 uh, in, our, in our job. We've got to worship God in our community and, and how we conduct ourselves and how we live. And that's where it gets hard a lot of times, isn't it? So we need to live lives that glorify and praise God because of we, we get and what God has done for us in Christ. And we can't help but praise him and worship him and glorify him in how we live our lives. The gospel is the central motivator for the Christian. It's the Christian's engine that drives and directs them. The Christian's outlook on life and, fr and frame of mind is, I want to praise God because of Jesus. I want to give God praise in my life. I want to glorify God in my life. I want to exemplify God in my example. I want to live for God in my lifestyle. I want to magnify God in my mind. I want to communicate Christ to the community. The Christian who praises God doesn't try to see how little he can do or get away with, but he's always looking to praise God more and more in his life. Now, there's a second want that the Christian should have, and let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 for that. Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, we read that. Let's, let's uh, look at that again. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in tre our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, verses 8 through 9, uh, let's look at those before we get to nine, uh, verse 10, because we need to see that Paul has already brought up works, hasn't he, in verses 8 through 9. And he brings up works there in 8 and 9 because he's making it clear that it's not because of anything we have done. And he wrote, wrote, wrote uh, to Titus about that as well. Not because of righteous things you have done, but because of God's uh, grace. And so <coughs> salvation is clearly, Paul wants us to be clear, it is clearly a gift or a grace from God. 
And he just went through that in these previous verses, and he just looked at that in chapter 1, as we read, where he said, we praise God for the salvation that he gives us. So he makes it clear that it has nothing to do with our works that we've earned or, or do anything or entitled to anything. And then in verse 10, he says, but we are his workmanship. Do you see that? See, God recreates us in Christ when we obey the gospel. Look at 1 Corinthians 5, 17. 1 Corinthians 5, 17, where Paul wrote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? A new creation. You see that? We are God's workmanship. We are his workmanship. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, later... In verses 14 through 16 of Ephesians 2, Paul says, For he himself is our peace. Now, he's dealing with the Jew-Gentile uh, issue here. Who has made us both one, talking about Jew and Gentile, and has broken down in his flesh, meaning Christ on the cross, the dividing wall of hostility that he might create in himself one new man. Do you see that? We are his workmanship. He might create in him one new man in place of the two. So it's no longer Jew or Gentile or about the, our physical characteristics or, or whatever. It is about being one in Christ and might reconcile us both to God in one body, meaning the church, through the cross. You see that? So we are God's workmanship when, we, uh, when we're made new in Christ by obeying the gospel. Then in Ephesians 4.24, Paul talks about the same thing again, where he writes, And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So that, again, is illustrating God's, we're God's workmanship, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's that God's workmanship, that is God at work in us. That is the work of God, what he does <coughs> when, when we obey the gospel. So being God's workmanship means being made new in Christ by obeying the gospel message. Now, create, now, now look at the next one, created in Christ for good works. See, you weren't made, to be, you weren't made a Christian to sit back and relax and, and take it easy. You were made for something. You were made for good works. You, you, you weren't supposed to become a Christian and then, and then, and then coast on, all the way through life, the rest of life on the way to heaven. It didn't work that way. You were made for, remember your God's workmanship. Remember that? So <clears throat> God has done something. He has made you new. You are God's workmanship. And he says, Okay, I've made something here in, in the waters of baptism. I've raised you up to walk in newness of life, Romans chapter 6. And I've, and I've done it, of course, to save you. We've already looked at that. Um, but, and to forgive you of your sins and all that and give you a home in heaven. But while you're here on earth, I've made you to do something. What is that? It's for good works. Okay? It's for good works. So... The Christian was made new in Christ in order to live a life of good works. God's will for the Christian is to live a life of service to him. And then look at what Paul says next. Which God prepared beforehand 
Okay, he's still talking about the same thing, which God prepared beforehand. God has always had in mind that his people would live in a certain way. Okay, that they would live lives of service and good works. Uh, now, then, look at, look at the last part, that we should walk in them. So he's always had this in mind for his people that we should walk, and in other words, live this out, these good works, this life of service. Uh, turn back to chapter 1 of Ephesians and look at verse number 4, where Paul writes, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Do you see that? That we should be holy and blameless before him. God could see believers in Christ even before the world began. He saw how this was going to play out. He knew that his church would be established. He knew he would have uh, his, his people, his church, today. And he knew how he wanted his people to live. And he saw good works as a part of his purpose and how these people should live their lives. Now look at Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, where the Bible says, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. That's talking about the church. Who are zealous for good works. So Paul's saying the same thing to Titus and those Christians that he's saying to the Ephesian Christians. That Jesus gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a, uh, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good work. <coughs> for good work. So uh, God wants his people and has always envisioned and had in mind and had planned for his people to be about serving him and about doing good works. So that needs to make me evaluate myself and make you evaluate yourself. How am I doing in that area? Am I, is there, is there, am I, am I producing fruit? Is there, is there any natural service and good works coming out of me? Now, those who are God's workmanship are characterized by their good works. And these good works, remember, as Paul made clear, are not to secure your salvation. That's been done in Christ because you couldn't do that on your own. But rather, it is because of salvation. That's what we're saying, because of the gospel. It is because of your salvation. They are the natural fruit. These good works and service to God are the natural fruit of salvation. And it's a, they are a testimony to our conversion. Does that make sense? So do you see the next want that a Christian should have? It is, I want to serve God because of the gospel. We serve God because we want to, because of what he's done for us. We serve God because good works are naturally produced by the Christian who is connected to Christ and growing spiritually. This is a way you can check up on your faith. What good works are coming out of you? Are you serving? Uh, do you do good works in service to God? And that is not always something official on paper at church. There are people doing all kinds of things. And, and, and this is beyond the church walls because when God's people live like this, when God's people live uh, ways that praise God and glorify God and they 
live lives of service and good works. They do that on their job. They do that in their community. They do that in the groups that they're involved with in their neighborhoods, and it makes a difference, and that attracts people to Christ. So that's why it's so important to God that we, are, that we live this out. That's how we live out our faith, praising God, glorifying God, and being about service and good works. Now, Absolutely, of course, it means communicating, articulating the gospel, but uh, when we are people known for good works, uh, that goes a long way. That's tied into bringing others to Christ. So, good works are to be natural for the person who serves God. Now, let's put these two together and, and get our point that we want to make with this message, that I want to praise and serve God because of the gospel. So what motivates me, what should motivate me as a Christian to praise God? What should motivate me as a Christian to serve God? Nothing else except the gospel because of what God has done for me. Because I understand what God has done for me in Christ. I understand what Christ did for me. I understand what that means. I get it. I remember my baptism, which is what you know, we emphasize. Remember your baptism. Back then when you were baptized, you were convicted. You were, you were converted. You were pricked in your heart. And we, we say that often, remember your baptism. And that is what motivates us, that gospel message to praise God. God and serve God. You know, we're closing out this year and we're starting a new year soon, Lord willing. And so it's a good time to be thinking about this. How can I grow as a Christian? And these are two areas I can look at in my life. How am I praising God in my life? How am I glorifying God in my life? How am I bringing glory to Him? How am I magnifying God in my life? And how am I serving God in my life? And all the various uh, areas that I touch within my circle, how am I uh, uh, serving God? Where are my good works? And I know we all fall short. And, and, and I don't know that it, I don't, don't, don't get on a big guilt trip about how bad you are and how, where you missed opportunity. Just think about what's ahead and think about, you know what, but if God gives me tomorrow, I can do better. If God gives me the next day, I can do better. If God gives me uh, to go into the next year, I can, I can love better. I can serve better. I can, I can praise better. I can glorify God better. And that's, that, that's not just something that, that young people need to deal with. That's something that the oldest Christian has to deal with in their life. It's all about that spiritual growth. And that person growing in Christ will seek to praise God more and more in their life and seek to serve God more and more in their life. I hope this is an encouragement to you. If there's any way we can help you tonight, if you need the prayers of the church, or if you want to know what it means to walk in this new life in Christ, to, to, you want to learn more about baptism and learn more about the church and what God has in mind for, for you and what God wants for your life, uh, or if you need help in any way, we want you to know that this church is here for you. We love you and we uh, will do whatever we can to minister to you. And if there's any way we can serve you tonight, you're welcome to come forward now as we together stand and sing.